this episode, we are going to examine the act of divine healing. The 14th article of faith in the Church of the Nazarene is on divine healing, and it is an important doctrine not just to Nazarenes, but to the church in general. And in this episode, we are going to discuss questions that are often presented concerning divine healing, such as the following. Does God still heal today? Is there a formula to be healed? Why doesn't God heal me or my loved one or whatever request I present before him? Well, one might ask, why does God heal some but not all? So welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and I've got a whole crew here in Cord Purgatory, our studio, and let's see who all's here today. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. I'm Anthony Alegria. And I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. And remember to be supporting your local church. While we are giving you supplemental material for your Christian walk, we are an online ministry. And if you would like to help us out, you can do that by sharing our content just by hitting share. That helps us out a lot. Leave us a question or comment. We'd love to talk with you. And if you'd like to donate monetarily, you can do that at patreon.com slash kingdom of the logos. All right, so let's talk about divine healing. And one of the big questions which comes with this is what is the, the purpose of healing and why would God heal some and not all? Just about everyone has prayed for healing for someone they've loved and that person has passed away. And this question comes on people, is my faith in the right place? Is something wrong with me? Well, we do know one thing for certain, and that is that instantaneous material healing is not something which is necessary for salvation. We find oftentimes that even within scripture, there are times where people are healed and there are times when people are not. This sort of instantaneous material healing of the body is not necessary for salvation, and nor is it indicative of salvation. There are times where people are not healed, but that does not mean that they are not saved. Even the apostle Paul had a thorn in his side that he endured throughout his ministry. So let's talk a little bit more about divine healing. Again, this is the 14th article of faith in the Church of the Nazarene. And we know that throughout the history of the people of God, even from the Garden of Eden, humans have found them face facing death. As soon as they were expelled from the garden, there was this moment of death which was looming for them. Death can come in an abundance of ways. It can come in accidents, murders, sickness, and even old age and the long deterioration and decay of the body. Yet our divine God has interceded at times and healed many. And this leads us to the first question. Does God heal today in modern times? So let's just throw that around the studio and see what we think about that. Does God heal in modern times? Anyone want to take up that? Oh, absolutely. I've seen God uh, at work in the lives of people. He relieves people from addictions. Um, and also he, he has God, uh, I've seen God at work to actually, um, you know, healing those who are sick in, in various ways. And uh, even the doctors acknowledge that it is divine healing that's taking place there. Pastor Amanda? Yeah, I, I think the... the easy or the quick answer to this question of course is yes um but also i think if we kind of look at a little bit of the history of why this article was even included in our articles of faith um it was because as the nazarenes are beginning to um better articulate and consolidate their articles they were also there were other movement christian movements that were happening around this time with the holiness camp meeting and, and methodism and different things like that and there was a little bit more a charismatic element that was happening in some other places where they told them, okay, you don't have to go to the doctor, you don't have to get shots or vaccines or anything like that, because if you just have enough faith, then God will heal you and also God will protect you from any of these harms. And the Nazarene church said, you know, as holiness people and Wesleyan Arminian holiness people, we think that yes, God can heal and do all those things, but also we 
have the that god-given wisdom to make good choices and so do go to the doctors um do go um and get your appropriate shots and vaccines and things like that so god does heal both miraculously um in those kind of where science and medicine just kind of lifts up their hand and goes we don't know but it has happened but also god heals through very well educated and um people who are trying to discover and understand how best to care for the body and we should point out that when you come to the to the Greek language, the language of the New Testament, healing and saving, sozo, it is the same word. But we're going to get to all that in a bit. Let's actually break from our order a little bit. Pastor Amanda, would you go ahead and read the 14th okay. article of faith? Let's go ahead and lay that out there for people to hear, and then we'll come back to some of these questions. All right, so this is how the article of faith reads. It says, we believe in the biblical doctrine of divine healing and urge our people to offer the prayer of faith for the healing of the sick. We also believe God heals through the means of medical science. All right. So last week we talked about sacraments in some traditions, like the Roman Catholic tradition, they include unction, the anointing of the sick as a sacrament. Here we find in the Nazarene church, in the manual, we are officially saying we encourage prayer for the sick. So it's not like it's something which is left to the side. But a lot of times people, they come for prayer for the sick and they say, well, is there a correct formula to it? Is it something like abracadabra where you come and you have the right mode of faith? You know, you've said the right incantation and then healing comes. What about that? What about those questions? Is there a correct formula, a correct methodology that is needed for this? And Pastor Mike? Well, I'd like to say, you know, abracadabra, if you look at it, the Hebrew uh, background of that, you know, it's very similar to I will create as I speak. And so there, the word debar comes from our word uh, that we get out of Hebrew word. Um, and so there's something uh, very, very much a, another conversation there that there's something behind the word, which is God, uh, who does give life. But there, you know, some folks will say, you know, you got to say it in Jesus's name or, you know, do it in the name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Holy Spirit. And so they get this uh, idea that, you know, there's a formula. Um, you know, the thing is, when we say in the name of something, it's in the reputation. And really and truly, I would say there's not a formula, but there are some key elements that need to take place. And obviously, if we look to Scripture, we see that Jesus will say, go, your faith has made you well. Obviously, God has, is the one who's done the healing there. Um, in Jesus, but it takes a response of faith on our, on our behalf. So I would say that there's not a formula except it is God's work that requires response and belief on our, on our, on our behalf. Go ahead. That's, that's a good statement. It's, there's not a formula, but there are elements of faith which are necessary. It is coming from God and the believer, there is a level of faith that is onerous on them that they're to be acting on. Um, one more time, though, for us, what is the English translation, really, of abracadabra and the, the history behind that, just quickly? It comes from what language? Uh, there's some that say it comes from a Semitic language, and uh, Such as Hebrew, Hebrew, whether it be okay. Aram Aramaic or, yeah. or even sometimes Arabic a little bit, because they all are Semitic languages. But yeah, it says, I will create as I speak, is, is sort of the understanding of that. All right, so there's an interesting side thing. Abracadabra, Hebrew, I will create as I speak, kind of, not really. I mean, well, it's, it's come shaped a lot way. And yeah. a lot of people associate that with magicians pulling a, you know, abracadabra and pull a rabbit out of the yeah, hat. Right, but right. really and truly, if you look back, there are some connotations that says yeah, I will create as I speak. Yeah, that's just an interesting piece of history there. Um, but moving past that to back to serious conversation. So another question people might ask is why doesn't God heal me or my loved one? Or the question of why does God heal some but not all? 
I think this ultimately will take us to the purpose of of healing itself and the purpose of saving. But any thoughts on that before we we go in? Pastor Amanda? Yeah, I think something, you know, as Pastor Mike talked about, that there is faith that is necessary on our part or, or on the those who we are praying for or who are asking for prayer. That, again, we have to go back to the idea that it is not our faith that is the author of the healing. And so, because I think a lot of times when people pray for healing and then it doesn't happen, they're like, well, it must have been my fault. I didn't have enough faith or they didn't have enough faith or they had a secret sin or I have a secret sin in my life and that's keeping me from being healed. And we go back to the story of Job, that actually Job was a righteous man, that he had no reason um, in the sense of kind of that that philosophy of, of you know, that if you have sin, then, then that's why you've died. And we definitely see, you know, what you reap, you will sow. Even Jesus says that. He talks about, um, but also we confess that it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so uh, sometimes God miraculously steps in and sometimes God does not. But it is dependent on how God is interacting with the world, not necessarily on 100% on our faith or on our ability. Right. Because again, then we switch we, we switch the question around if we start asking if it's our fault, because it doesn't rest in us. The, the yeah. beginning and finishing of that healing is not does not originate from us. Yeah, and that's the thing is there are inexplicable elements of divine healing. And that's unmistakably true. And when we look throughout scripture, we can see a lot of contrasting takes on this. And and by contrasting, I don't mean that they're opposed to one another. I just mean that it's there's a lot of different things that happen when the healing and saving power of, of God comes. Sometimes it is material. Other times it is, is not material. And it is looking to the spiritual, the eternal value, which is what ultimately matters. The material, fleshly circumstances around us, um, they're really not important on the course of, of eternity. I mean, I hate to have to say such an, an obvious thing, but when it comes time to we loving ourselves, we look at ourselves and say, well, I, I love, you know, um, the people around me. I want to spend more time with them. I, I don't want to have to wait till a later time. Uh, we, we do find that we are, are put in a position where we, we want that instantaneous healing. But as far as scripture goes, when we look throughout the, the Gospels, we look throughout the New Testament, we can see examples of people being healed. We find things like the blind receiving sight, the lame walking again. We even find life being given to Lazarus and Jairus' daughter in a way that is phenomenal. But yet, also in that same New Testament, we see people being stoned. We find that the Apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh that he endured throughout his ministry. And when we look throughout the history of the early church, and we even see glimpses of this in the book of Acts and through the, the whole New Testament, we find there are those who witnessed healing, and there were others who testified through the pain and great suffering that they endured as Christians, some even to the point of bodily death for their faith. And there is very clear examples of both where we find people being materially healed and then we find people who who go on and that have that eternal healing that eternal salvation so of course we can in, again point this out that instantaneous material healing is not indicative of one's faith so your state of salvation is not dependent on whether or not you are instantly healed in sort of the bodily form um, pastor mike you had a thought before we get on to some terminology well i think just um leading up to another question that you were talking about that why does God heal some but on all and and I think you know um, God's ways are so much higher than our ways but often that journey through um, a sickness or even to the point of death that journey through death and beyond but right there in the midst of all of that I've watched people's relationships grow and family come in and take care of one another that is uh, absolutely healing and and forgiveness and relationships flourish even in 
in such uh, trying times. So uh, in the midst of all of that, perhaps the physical is not being healed, but then the relationships are. So that's that's a beautiful yeah. thing that I have often seen. Um, so I, I don't know, but God is at work, and I think it's important for us to have intercessory prayer for others. Yeah. Pastor Amanda? And, and I want to just add something as you're talking about God working through um, illnesses or working through whatever that may be and bring about reconciliation. I, I think it'd be good to point out that God never makes anyone sick. God never, like, strikes someone down with um, with cancer or disease or anything like that, that Often those are just the consequences of living in a broken world. Now, sometimes they are direct consequences of our actions. People who smoke um, usually get lung cancer. Um, but even if it's not through a direct, um, but God can still work through those things. So, yeah, and yeah. I think that's a good thing to to preference because as we're going to go into a little bit, God is a God of blessing, of life, and not a God of cursing or taking life. Yeah, even when you see something like Job, Satan, the accuser, is the, the one who comes to initiate that. And you even have this dialogue with Satan and, and God where, you know, Satan, his demands are reasonless. There's no rationale behind it. He just kind of wants to see death for death's sake. He wants to see the decay and the suffering. And and God looks at this, and, and God quite clearly sees that what the, the Satan character, the accuser, is wanting is reasonless. It's without rationality. This is not what God desires for his creation. Um, but let's get into some terminology because it's very important for us to have good theological terms to understand where we're at. And Pastor Mike, I'm going to ask that you open us up with a little bit of, of understanding of blessing. Okay. Well, theologically, blessing is a very important word that um, is used by a lot of people in many different ways. One expression is, um, you know, kind of like being fortunate, but really and truly, um, it's much, much deeper than that. It, it, is, uh, it really means life-giving. And um, though we are not able to know everything about God, uh, because God is still a great mystery, uh, but there are there is this element of God that we know that God is life giver. In fact, I, I think as we evaluate and study God, uh, we find that that God not only cares for creation but gives life to it. That uh, it is very much a part of God's nature to give life, not to take it as to go with what Pastor Amanda said. And it is definitely to, you know, blame this on God and blame that on God that, you know, you're taking the Lord's name in vain, his reputation when you do that, uh, to say that he did this. But we know that God is life giver. And, and that's yeah, what blessing when, means. Whenever I'm here at the church teaching people, I generally teach that the, the good definition for the word blessing or to bless is to give life. The sort of the, yes. the short word you can put in your pocket, keep it blessing, is life-giving, to give life. All right, so let's talk about healing and saving. Healing is another word that we should look into as we understand the context of the New Testament language. Obviously, we see Jesus healing in the Gospels, but later in the book of Acts and even on in the early church, we see disciples, we see the apostles, we see those like Peter and Paul as well being used as God's instruments to heal. Now, the word for healing and saving which in English we have them as separate words, but if we go back to the Greek, we find the word sozo. Now, sozo, which is the Greek word for saving, it is translated as both saved and healed. And so we must understand that God is concerned with the entire person. God wants to bless us and save and heal us, but this is to be done spiritually, physically, and emotionally. It's complete in all areas of life. So a lot of times people look to the church and they might ask questions of why do we use the language of saved? 
And for many theologies, they've kind of whittled this down and reduced it to a, a narrow understanding that says you're saved from hell. But realistically, a better understanding of salvation might be that you are healed to Christ-likeness. And again, saving, healing, they are the, the same word, sozo. And when we, we come to the New Testament, we come to Christian theology, we realize that God wants to heal us. And a lot of times we desire a instantaneous material bodily healing. But unfortunately, that that's not always something of eternal value. And we know this on some level. Like, you might have someone who is who has gone through a, a bad ailment, um, and you wouldn't want them to live crippled for all eternity. You would want them to get to a point where they're healed, they have a new body. I mean, all of us. Um, Anthony is kind of the one who is the closest to to being right there at age 20, where you're kind of still developing. I think all of us have have gotten to where we're we're adults now, um, and you know, aging processes, the things they come into us. You know, would you want to live as you are forever, or would you want to? To live in a new body. I mean, that's really one of the questions that we have. So, healing, saving, they are the same. And God cares for us more than just to curse us to a existence where we are, you know, flawed by the issues of the flesh. Pastor Amanda. And so this leads us into our next um, theological word. It may not seem like one, but it is death. And so you might say, okay, well, I know what that is. So w- what are we talking about here? And really we see in this that death becomes another element of healing. Um, obviously, as Pastor Dylan pointed out, our bodies are not designed to last forever. And because of that, various breakdowns and decay does happen. Uh, many people view death as the end of life. However, for those who believe and trust in Christ, death is not the end, but the beginning. Jesus has redefined death by defeating death, hell and the grave, at the resurrection, and a new glorified body, physical body. Um, so again, so not only is uh, salvation more than just spiritual, but physical as well in, in all of us, but also we can look forward to a resurrection uh, that impacts our entire bodies. And so that new glorified physical body, we have hope in looking forward to that. All right. And now we're going to talk a little bit about the resurrection. Pastor Anthony, would you share with us a little bit on the resurrection and how that is even relevant to healing? So it might, you might not see it very directly, but resurrection is relevant to the conversation of healing. We all know that God does not immediately heal all physical ailments. Even Paul had the thorn in his side that we've already mentioned. It went unhealed in the immediate sense, and even Christ had to suffer the cross. Don't think that God only shows his grace to some, or that he's an unjust God who only shows his glory at random. Um, there are those who have suffered the pain of death and suffering. There have been many that have had to mourn, and yet many of these have not experienced divine healing and other forms of grace such as liberation. That being said, the grace of God comes by his love for us. What is done is done so that God may reveal himself. So if you or a loved one are not healed or shown the amount of grace that you would like, does that mean that God does not love you or love fully? This question is answered by the resurrection. Christ has come so that we may be reconciled to God, but the day of judgment has not yet come. The world is in the preparation for the last day. And it is on this day that the world will be judged, but it will also be fully redeemed. The world will be recreated and named New Jerusalem. In addition to this, all who are among God's fold will be, re- will be resurrected and recreated into the image of God. This is shown in the teachings of Christ in Scripture, and it is foreshadowed by Jesus' own resurrection. Additionally, Paul himself wrote on anticipating the resurrection that we have to look forward to. 
All right, Pastor Amanda, talk with us a little bit about glorification. All right, and so um, as we were discussing this, I know we went from short definitions to very long definitions um, to short again. Uh, so I'm going to read kind of what we've uh, kind of finalized, uh, and I won't say finalized, I guess, either, because it is a continual uh, conversation. But And then I want to talk a little bit about it as well as the gracious life and the fullness of the kingdom, where we are completely conformed to the image of the Son and residing in the kingdom of the resurrection. And so, yes, this is the the hope we have a lot in our previous conversations. We've talked about salvation, sanctification, and glorification. And these are these movements. And we understand that uh, Christ's life, death, and resurrection has given us uh, one gift of grace, but we can speak about it in these various terms. Um, But it is the hope. And and it is, as Anthony was talking about, this recreation. Um, And as we're talking about healing, uh, you know, we mentioned Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. Well, he died again. Um, uh, the blind man who was given sight, eventually he probably either went blind or, um, at, or the uh, final blindness, I guess, with death. But yeah. th- at some point, even though they had experienced that instantaneous healing, uh, that their bodies would break down again. However, we see in the hope of glorification, uh, which is through Christ, um, that we no longer, that new body, that newly resurrected body, uh, will not have to worry about dying again. And, and that is what is so beautiful about this. This is There's so much hope in this. So so many times we want that immediate, oh, I can't see, so, so give me my sight. But really, the one thing which will endure for all eternity is that saving of the soul, that healing of the soul back to Christ-likeness. And now we're going to get to some scripture, but I know there's a few more comments that those in the studio wanted to say. Uh, Pastor Mike? Yeah, I just wanted to, to add, and, and you know, where I guess it's, can you add to what Pastor Amanda said, which was so good, but you know, that glorification, that heavy weightiness of God's presence in our life is so important um, that that even, I've seen great testimonies of those, you know, that we prayed for to be healed, but yet they were not, but at the same time, they praise God in such a way that their yeah. relationship with God, it did, it, it, it brought extreme glory weightiness and, um, just a powerful testimony there that, you know, I, I wonder if that testimony that says, I am so, I, I so much believe in God, uh, kind of like the the three Hebrews before they were thrown into the fire, our God can heal us and, re, you know, save us, either way you want to state that, but whether he chooses to or not, we will not bow down. And so that is such a beautiful uh, picture for us in our faith that, Regardless of whether God heals or not, we are going to praise Him, um, and His presence yeah. is going to be here. Anthony, um, I was only going to say that. Interestingly, you can see the foundations for glorification and even what we know to be the resurrection from the very beginning. You can see that trajectory of creation. You know, you might wonder, oh, it's very convenient of you to see an imperfect world and then say, oh, it's all going to end in perfection. But if you look at our creation story from the very beginning, and one of our oldest uh, stories passed down through the people of God, you can see the foundations for this trajectory of creation more and more towards uh, godliness, towards Christ-likeness. And from the very beginning, you see the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve they permanently, or not permanently, but definitely uh, drastically altered the trajectory of creation by partaking of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. They, they, well, very much so changed the course of events 
And so in many ways, Christ's coming and the day of judgment, these are um, events that are going, that are in the process of restoring the trajectory of creation back towards the original intention towards the tree of life, towards godliness. And, and it is the, the agency of God that does this. I don't want anybody to think that, oh, so you mean the world is just naturally bent towards godliness. That's not the case at all. That's not biblical, and that's not what Anthony is saying. What Anthony is saying is God had a plan for creation. You can find it with things like the tree of life. But it takes the the word of God, the order of God, the logos of God to come and maintain that order because without it, it's just a void. It's the nothingness that's there in Genesis 1, and it's the, the nothingness that Satan wants when he comes and says, why don't you just make Job sick? Why don't you try that, you know? How about you You show me a little bit of blood and guts over there, God? You know, all these things that we see going on, the nothingness which comes from the natural bent uh, that we have in the world, again, it's the fallen state of creation that is bent away from God. It's through God's order and through the agency and the power of God that we do find ourselves moving back towards this healing and salvation that ultimately is found. All right, so... Let's get now to some scripture. We've talked about scriptural references. Let's actually read some. Um, so we're going to go to Gospel of John chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 24 down just a few beyond that. Pastor Anthony, would you begin for us in John chapter 9 and begin in verse 24 and read our selection here? So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. All right, I love this passage. I love this whole story. John chapter 9 is so beautiful. One of the things we find in there is not only a man who finishes them off with a great one-liner. I mean, he does. The one-liner he has in there is whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. But this I know. I was blind and now I see. Um, it's a great, great finishing move that he has there. But also, we do find the serious questions that people have whenever they see healing. Because the whole framework of this selection from John 9 is there's a blind man. Initially, people come in and say, why are you blind? Is it because your parents sinned? And there are some people who are content with that and say, yeah, it's because his parents sinned. That's why he's blind. That's why he has that suffering and that, that death there in his life, that decay, that, that something which holds him back from being the complete form which God calls to be. That's because of his parents' sin. Then eventually Jesus comes in and says, no, it was not his parents' sin that did this. It, that, that's not what was the causal factor here. And as things go on, and the man is healed, and you've got to take in mind, this guy, he spent his life being blind, so he's probably not the best looking, probably not the best socialized, probably not well educated, probably somebody who's on the outskirts of society and on the outskirts of thinking and communication on a lot of different ways. And he goes from being on these outskirts to now the center of attention, this huge infrastructure of the Jewish religious authorities. They've got him right there in the center. They're going to inquire of him, you know, how is it that you have been healed? Are you even the same man that was blind? Or is this some big ruse? They come with all these questions, and they want to know the things of like how and why. And you find them. They're coming in, and they say, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. And then they say, what did he do to you? How did he do this? And the man's response is, is pretty awesome because he says, do you want to become their disciple? And that gives us some insight of when God heals us 
And I don't just mean a material sort of corporeal, gross, fleshly healing. When God heals our souls, he wants us to become his disciples. That's, that's what we find. There's a reconciliation of the human spirit to God as God wanted us to live. And in that story, this man, he comes before them, you know, one of the, the cruder actors of society, though not necessarily a sinful actor of society, but he's, he's going to have a little bit of rough lifestyle. He comes in and he finishes off these people who are supposed to be holy and righteous and basically ends their, <laughs> their inquisition. He kind of finishes them off and challenges them, too, to become disciples. And well, mind you, he's not one of the 12. He's not even really of the masses following Jesus, but he steps into the role of discipleship. He's thrust into it, really, without his consent, but he does agree to do it. Once he's put there, he says, no, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to step up to this. Well, Pastor there's Mark. also a movement there, I think, as well, that where he's physically blind and then physically healed, there is a spiritual element where the vision of being, you know, what you can see spiritually, that he sees Jesus and becomes a disciple, whereas those who are educated and religious leaders who should be able to see and recognize Jesus spiritually, they are the ones who are blind. But I think that question is extremely important. Do yeah. you want to become his disciples also? And that perhaps is the beginning of a true healing is becoming a disciple of Christ Jesus. Pastor Amanda? Yeah, and I think also we see, um, so we've talked about the image of, of God or, or becoming more like Christ. And so we see that the image of Christ has been restored in the blind man. And of course, as that image has uh, been restored, then the mission has been given, right? And so we see this, and we've talked about this before, as Jesus healed, now Peter and Paul are called to heal. And then we, we see that being traced, uh, followed uh, even to us today. Um, as we have been healed, we are called to heal. As we have been blessed, we are called to bless. As life and grace has been to ex has been extended to us, we are then to extend that life and grace to others. And although we do confess that it does not originate in us, it is still all a work of Christ, uh, that we are to be a means of grace. So moving yeah, back yeah. to last week's sacramental language, uh, we are to be, to be that means of grace, the hands and feet of Jesus, the body of Christ. And so as we are healed, uh, we then have to participate in healing. Amen to that. Anthony, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? That's uh, a little bit removed uh, now, but I was just going to say, what an evangelistic question to ask. Do you also want to become his disciples? And it's also extremely reflective on the nature of our salvation. His, his question is not, you know, do you also want to be physically healed? Do you also want to have um, eternal security from hell? These aren't the questions that he asks. He asks, do you also want to become his disciples? And this is so interesting because this is in the context of salvation and healing. Yeah. He is healed. He is saved. People question him concerning the nature of this salvation and this healing. And he says, well, if you want to know the answers, do you also want to become his disciple? Yeah. And let's be honest. Since the fall, our our bodies, we, we are not the the abstract form of, of human perfection. I mean, we have a lot of different variation between us. We all have laws. The blind man, he was blind, but all of us, we have something going on. We age, we have things which come into life, things that leave us scars, and you wouldn't want to be cursed like that for eternity. Um, but at the same time, the healing that comes is, is beyond just saved from that. It's being healed. It's being reconciled to Christ. And just as that man had a great finishing statement for those giving the Inquisition, he also was good enough to close out this program and finish us off. So with that, if all hearts and minds are clear, God love you and have a blessed day.